Welcome to Shoreline City, everybody. Y'all feeling good? Come on, it's going to be a great day today. We're trusting that God is going to meet every one of us exactly where we are. Can we give it up for our first-time guests as well this morning? We love you already. We have prayed for you, and we're praying that today would not just be a normal Sunday, but a day where you would actually encounter the grace of Almighty God, and your heart and your life would be changed and transformed. So whether you're in the room or even online or in additional seating, we love you tremendously. Why don't you all turn around and greet somebody next to you. Give them a high five. Give them a hug. On the chat, you got to at least throw something in the chat. If you're at home and watching right now, text I'm at home. To 73,000. Let us know you're at home and you're watching. Come on, make everybody around you feel welcome and special. And you may be seated, my friends, excited about today. We uh, do have a creed we do here every week at Shoreline City. We'll give you a snapshot of what we believe and what we're about. Uh, as a church, and we'll put it on the screen. So if you're with us for the first time in additional seating online or in the room, uh, you'll be able to follow along. We actually all say this together. It's something actually we actually say with our kids every night, kind of like a tattoo that's getting on their heart uh, so that no matter where they are in their lives, they're able to go back to these words, the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, and remember uh, whose they are and who they are. So on the count of three, let's say this together. One, two, three. I am loved by God. I cannot earn it. I cannot lose it. In Christ, I am forgiven and made brand new. I live with passion and purpose. I am empowered by the Spirit to be the church in the world and to live for the glory of God. That's our creed. Yeah, you can clap your hands for that for sure. It's a good thing. Some of us know I'm loved by God. Maybe the first time you ever said that, we want you to believe it too. It's not just words on the screen. That is the truth right from the Bible. Hey, we have been in an exciting series called Extra, and it has been so much fun. A few weeks ago, we looked at the woman with the alabaster jar. Then we looked at blind Bartimaeus, and uh, then we looked at the poor widow last week. And I don't know about you, but she's still challenging me and pushing me forward uh, in my my walk with God. Uh, today, we're going to actually finalize uh, this series because next week we actually have Lisa Harper is going to be here with us. So really, really excited about that. If you've never heard her speak, you want to be here. She's absolutely phenomenal. One of our favorite people on the planet. But if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Mark chapter 6. Mark's cha Mark chapter 6. If you have your Bibles, if you don't, we're going to put the words on the screen. Mark chapter 6, verse number 30. And it says, or, and it reads, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going that they did not have a chance to eat. You ever had a day like that? You're like, oh my gosh, I've been going from meeting to meeting to meeting. I had this appointment, then I got that appointment, and, and you're running around. So that's the, the, the mode the disciples are in, except they've been doing the work of the Lord and not just like trying to close on a house. Uh, but, but they're running around, running around. And, and he says to them, Jesus says to them, and I love these words, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. How many of y'all just wish you could go to sleep right now? Just hearing that, you're like, ah, don't go to sleep while I'm preaching, though. That's rude, okay? And I can see you. I can even see you online. I can see you online. I can see you with your PJs on. I see you. 
Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place. But many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So they're going there to rest. The people here, wait, where are you going? They all run, and they're waiting for them when they show up. You ever had one of those, uh, I think Kevin Hart talked about this, how uh, dads have the responsibility to play with the kids? I don't know if you ever heard this. Well, basically, that's the dad's responsibility. Moms, you know, you got different responsibilities. Dad, mine is harder, okay? Because it doesn't matter how tired I am, my kids want to make me a jungle gym. They want to wrestle. They want to do something. And you can come home tired, and you're like, oh, and you see the kid at the window. They don't care what meetings you've had. They don't care how bad your day has been. And you got to pull it together. Yes, let's, let's paint nails. Yes, that's exactly what I want to do right now, L. I want to paint nails. Yes, you can paint mine. Uh, so they get there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them. He loved them. Teenagers, don't let, everybody, don't let anybody ever tell you that God does not love you. He had compassion on them. Because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began to teach them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go to the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. There is no, there's no, there's no Trader Joe's here, Lord. You, you're going to have to send them away. There is no Walmart here. Send them away. And then Jesus says this. He goes, um, you give them something to eat. They said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. And are we to go and spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? How many loaves do you have, he asked. Go and see. When they found out, they said, five and two fish. Then Jesus directed them to all, to, directed them to have all the people sit down in groups on the green grass. So they sat down in groups of hundreds and fifties, taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven. He gave thanks and broke the loaves. Then he gave them to his disciples to distribute to the people. He also divided the two fish among them all. They all ate and were satisfied. And the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces of bread and fish. The number of the men who had eaten was 5,000. Uh, the title of today is Problem Solved. Problem Solved. I love this passage of scripture. This story of feeding of the 5,000 shows up in all the gospels. All four of them. Not every story shows up in all four Gospels, but this one does. There seems to be some highlight that the Holy Spirit is, is trying to put on this particular story. Uh, uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. The Gospel of John, honestly, is a look at the, like, kind of the ending portion of Jesus' days on, on the earth. Uh, John doesn't even talk about when he was born. He actually talks about, you know, he, he was the 
the word, uh, and the word became flesh. So he, he just paints a whole different picture of the majesty and the power and the awesomeness uh, of God. I got a, something in my face here. Uh, but, 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 I'll kill a ladybug if I need to. Uh, no, I won't. No, I won't. You can't, you can't kill ladybugs. You always got to release them uh, to heaven. But Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all of them have this story. Every last one of them. The feeding of the 5,000. Now, uh, most of the other uh, texts will tell us that it was just not just 5,000 men, but it was 5,000 men plus there were women and children that were present as well. So this is a large group of people. If you read a little bit later in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 6, you get down about, oh, look at this later, maybe verse number 52-ish or so. Jesus has just walked on the water. The disciples see him. Jesus tells them, don't be afraid. Jesus gets in the boat, and they're like amazed. They're like, what is going on here? And then the, the Bible says these words. Um, they had not understood the loaves and the fishes. They didn't understand the loaves and the fishes. So in this new moment, they're afraid. They're amazed. They're taken, they're taken aback because they did not understand the loaves and the fishes. Saying that if they had understood the loaves and the fishes, by the time Jesus walking on the water came around, they would have had a different response. They would not have had that same amount of fear. They would not have had that same amount of trepidation. They would not have had that same amount of concern. Why? Because they would have understood the loaves and the fishes. I feel like many of us are in scenarios where we are afraid and we are concerned. It's because we have not understood the loaves and the fishes. We have not understood what God has done for us in the past. We have not understood how faithful he has been. We have not understood that how, how he continued to pick us up and put us on a firm foundation. We have not understood that God in his grace and his mercy keeps on sustaining us. We have not understood that we did not, we had nothing. And then God found a way to get us the very thing that we were praying for. We have not understood that God has sustained us every single day of our lives. And we forget about what God did all these days ago. So now we get in a new situation and we want to act like God has not done anything before. But if you'll consider Consider how far he has brought you in this new season. You can have the faith that you need to stand because that's what our God does. He always takes us through. Don't you forget, don't you forget when you didn't have food to put on your table. I know you got an Audi now, but don't forget when you're driving around a beater. Don't forget when you were praying, God, would you please just make a way? God, would you please give me food on my table? God, would you please just help me get into that school? God, would you please just bless me with a boyfriend or a girlfriend or a husband or a wife? God, would you just please give me some kids? And the adoption went through or you got pregnant or the IVF worked or whatever you were praying for, it happened. And God proved himself faithful once again. Why is it that we let the blessings of God go in one ear and out another and then we get into a another trial and we got start freaking out like God has not been faithful what does he need to do to prove to us that he is who he says he is and he can do what he says he can do 
What is it that we're needing God to do? How many hoops does he need to jump through? How many times does he need to put breath in our lungs? How many times does he need to get us out of a jam? How many times does he need to give us peace that surpasses all understanding? How many times do we need to see God show up for us to finally go, he's faithful. He's, he's faithful. He, yeah, this is terrible, but he's faithful. This is hard, but I've been through hard. I'm facing death, but I already faced death 17 other times. So now that I'm here, God can get me through this. And if this kills me, then I'm just going on to glory anyway. So I thank you, God, that you're faithful and you can do with my life what you want to do with my life. Had they, had they considered the loaves and the fishes? The response in this moment would have been different. I want you to consider the loaves, the fishes in your life. I want you to consider who you're sitting next to right now. And how maybe there was a day that you would never have seen yourself sitting next to that person, having the marriage that you have or the friendships that you have or sitting in the home that you're sitting in. But God carried you. He carried you. He sustained you. No, no, it has not been easy. It never was easy. It wasn't easy for any of us. But you still made it. It's been hard, yes. But he still carried you. They did not consider the loaves and the fishes. Now, there's a million and one different principles we can pull out of it this story. There's so many truths here. But I, I do not want to make light of what I would think is the primary truth. And that is Jesus is the bread of life. It's that he is the one who satisfies. It's that Jesus is the one who sustains. Yes, there are other principles and truths. We'll look at those. But I do not want to skip past this one as if it's insignificant. It is not insignificant because our world is not searching after Jesus to satisfy. Our world is searching after sex to satisfy. Our world is searching after promotion to satisfy. Our world is searching after a ring to satisfy. Our world is searching after a bigger house to satisfy. And I'm telling you, you can have all the sex you want to have. You can have the bigger house. You can get the promotion, but at the end of the day, the only one that can actually satisfy a longing soul is Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. And you and I can get on the rat race if we want to, but you'll just be on that hamster wheel and you'll get to the end of your days and you'll be looking around like, what did I do? I'm telling you, your life is not about you and my life is not about me. Our life is designed to be lived for the glory and the majesty of God. And Jesus Christ is the bread of life. He is the one that sustains and satisfies. He's the one that gives me that full belly. They're like after Thanksgiving full. Well, you just want to rest because you know I did what I needed to do because greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. Everything I need is found in Jesus. He's the satisfier. Now, with Jesus being the satisfier, this story I love so much because I see us in it, okay? I see us all in this story. They, they show up, and they're uh, on the land here. They got the boat. The boat's rolling in, 
And Jesus, you know, he's like Justin Bieber kind of famous. He, he's got people that just, they, they cannot wait to meet him. Like my wife can't wait to meet Michael B. Jordan. Like, I know. I know she's praying prayers. Lord, just make a way for me to meet Michael B. Jordan. And um, I'm going to lay hands on him, Lord. And uh, I've been reading your journal, honey. <laughs> You're busted. Uh, the other night, uh, you know, because Wakanda Forever just came out. And uh, so we had to go see it. You know, we, I mean, we're black. So <laughs> let's go. Opening night. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Come on, everybody. Let's go. So we rolled in. <laughs> Uh, but the night before, the night before, um, you know, niggas just flipping the channels. We were getting ready for bed, and it, it black, he goes, oh, Black Panther's on. She just clicks on it. <laughs> Happens to be the scene with Michael B. Jordan getting ready to fight. She's trying to say it's a coincidence. I know for a fact she was asking the Lord to bless her. I don't know that for a fact. I don't know that for a fact. But, but she wants to meet Michael B. Jordan. I don't know who you, who you would want to meet. Uh, maybe there was an athlete, a LeBron James, a Giannis. I don't know, somebody from uh, the World Cup team. I don't, I don't know who it is you, you would want to meet. Uh, but, but you would find a way, if you know they're at that hotel, to, to get to that hotel lobby and just kind of... And they kind of have your phone out like this, and people don't know you're taking video, but you are. <laughs> Jesus has that level of popularity. People cannot wait to be around him. He has been healing. He has been teaching. His, his, his life is like this bright LED billboard that is declaring the majesty and the praises of God, and he's like interacting with everyday people. It's mind-blowing. So the people cannot wait to get around him. They get there, Jesus has compassion on them. He loves them. He is moved inwardly towards them. He is now teaching them. And the disciples, they see a problem. They walk up to Jesus in the middle of his teaching. I'm assuming, psst, psst, Jesus, Jesus, good points, good points. You're doing good. It's rhyming. It's all rhyming. It's all, it's really good, Jesus. Um, but Jesus, you're going to have to send these people, send them away. I just want you to know, Jesus, it's late, okay? And you've kind of been talking for a long time, okay? It's kind of been like, the sermon is like going. <laughs> so since you've been going so long, you weren't watching the clock. So since, since you were going so long, now, now it's getting late and it's not going to be food for all these people. So just go ahead and send them away so then we can, you know, get on with our resting. And, uh, and Jesus says, no. No. They bring a problem to Jesus. A legitimate problem. They bring Jesus a problem, and look what Jesus does with the problem. He gives it back to them. They bring the problem to Jesus, and Jesus goes, thank you. Here's the problem back. They bring the problem to Jesus. 
thank you, you can have it back. You give them something to eat. No, Jesus. <laughs> Let me help you understand what's going on here. Okay, I'm not the son of God, right? Like, I was not, like, doing the healing thing. <laughs> so, Jesus, I bring the problem. You bring the solution. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I am the son of God. I do know what I'm doing. Thank you for the problem. I know how to solve it. Well, why would you give the problem back to me? I'm not the savior. You're the savior. I, I, I find this very, very interesting. Because you know there are some crazy problems in our world. Massive problems. Huge problems. Problems that have been going on long before we got here and problems that will be going on long after we're gone. All types of problems. No matter where you are watching from uh, right now around the country, around the world, you got problems. Ask a teacher. A teacher can tell you the problems that are in our society. They're on the front lines seeing kids not have food, come to school hungry. They're seeing kids not have clothes to wear, got to wear the same thing over and over and over again, being bullied and ridiculed. They're seeing all different types of issues that families are dealing with. Ask our first responders. They'll tell you, whether it's paramedics, firefighters, police, they'll tell you there are problems all in our world. Ask people who work in hospitals. The problems are rampant. Do you know how much abuse is happening in our world? How much anger and, and murder and discord is in our world? But you don't even have to be a teacher or a first responder or work at a hospital. All you got to have is a family. If you got a family, you know some problems. And there are some problems you're not even going to talk about. Some problems that you'll hold on to. And you'll keep those things secret because you don't want to have to deal with them for whatever reason. And when you have a real problem like sex trafficking, like racism, like sexism, like whatever other ism you want to throw out there, and you say, Jesus, fix this. He says, thank you for bringing it to me. You did right. You're supposed to bring it to me. But now, I'm not letting you just throw this at me. I'm now empowering you to do something about the problem that you brought to me. Now, this is a problem for us. Because now it's going to require us to change. It's going to require us to get out of our comfort zone. It might require us to change what we post. It might require us to change how we talk. If we want, actually want to be a part of fixing the problem, it might require us to spend some time or some money or some of our ego. We might have to lay some things down. It's a whole lot easier to say, I prayed, Lord, I gave you the problem. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing to do. It's the right thing to do. But when God turns back around and says, son, daughter, I put you on the earth because I knew you would recognize this problem. And I cannot have you just throwing it on my lap. Yes, I'm glad you gave it to me. But understand, I need you to give them something to eat you are a part of the solution in your generation
So I ask you, what gifts has God given you? I ask you, what problem do you see that's in the world? I ask you, what difficulties are you noticing? I ask you, what gaps do you see in our society? And I just want you to know that God is saying, I'm glad you brought it to me, but player, I'm giving it back to you. I'm going to need you to be a part of the solution. Fam, you cannot just keep throwing things at me. Since I put you on the earth for this moment and this time, I want you to maximize every skill, every ability, all your potential. I want you to be the best version that you can possibly be not for your glory but for my glory because I need all of you I don't just need part of you I need all of you I need all of your skills I need all of your abilities I need every single thing that I put on the inside of you when you are fashioned and formed in your mother's womb I need the gifts that you don't even know you have yet to be refined and to be matured so that you can be my hands and my feet in this generation you give them something to eat stop waiting for somebody else to come nobody else is coming you're the one that Jesus put here for such a time as this so I want you make all the money you can please do go do it. make it all make it all go make it make it make it do it. don't forget to give to heaven to earth Get, make all the money you can maximize your yes please do take your business from where it is be the best be top five, be top 1%. Go do that. But understand when you and I are doing that, it's so that we can be a part of solving problems in our generation, not so we can just bring problems to God and live a nice little cozy life saying, I, I did my part. No, you got more part to play than that, my friend. So now they say, uh, Jesus says, um, I want you to do this. And they're like, we can't. We can't. And they got a legitimate reason. What am I gonna get? Them? I don't have enough money. They'll take a year's wages. So they give a legitimate reason why this thing can't work. Then Jesus asks the question: How many loaves do you have? How many loaves do you have? Now, I don't want to throw my kids under the bus. Um, my kids never do this. Parents, you ever asked your kids to go clean a room, to clean their room, and all of a sudden it's just like, you know, you ask them, I don't know, to split an atom? <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so tired. I, my arms, my arms don't even, my arms haven't been worked. Dad, you know my arms. Look at them, look at them, they're just dangling, they're just dangling. I can't, I can't, oh man, I'm so tired this week at school. Oh my gosh, the lunchroom has been bonkers. It's been crazy. You don't even know what I've been dealing with. You're asking, oh, oh, oh. And then they go clean the room and then you go inspect the room and you're like, oh, that's not clean. <laughs> we all know what clean is, okay, that, that's, that's, that. Your drawers are literally in the middle of the floor right here, okay? That's not clean. <laughs> I understand why parents sometimes will go off on their kids. I understand that. So uh, it's not right. It's not right. <laughs> but I understand. So, uh, so I'm feeling when I'm reading this that this is a little bit about what the disciples are doing. 
Jesus, how many loaves do you have? They come back, five, two fish. Uh, no, no, how, how many loaves do you have? Five. Two fish. There's 5,000 people. And you're telling me, out of all those people, all you could find were five loaves and two fish? You got any fish? You got any loaves? You got any fish? You got any loaves? You got any fish? You got any loaves? You got any fish? You got, okay, no, okay, okay, Jesus, we got five loaves, we got two fish. Now I'm proving to Jesus that he can't do what I told him he can't do. I'm giving you reason why you cannot do a miracle because all I have is this. <laughs> do something with that, Jesus. That's the kind of the tone I get here. Rather than, I gathered all the loaves and fish that I possibly could. I went to every single person and I, do you have loaves? Do you have fish? No, 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 no. They're just, I see them sulking. And they bring it. You can't do anything with this, Jesus. Jesus goes, okay, okay. okay you want to play? You want to play? You want to play with your boy? You want to play? You want to play, huh? You want to Sit them all down. Sit your behind down, too. Sit them all down. Put them in groups of 50s and 100s. And you give me what you don't think is enough. Give it to me. I know we're talking about, you know, this in Mark chapter 6, but I think it works in marriages, too. Because some of us are like, I, I, this marriage is, I'll bring you the problem, Lord. This is over. And he says, no, no, you give them something to eat. You feed your husband. You feed your wife. You feed your kids. Well, where am I going to get enough energy? Where am I going to have the time? Don't you know all I've been through? Don't you know all that they've said to me? Don't you know how many times I've been hurt? How many loaves do you have? I don't have any loaves. I got Tuesday. I got one day. Tuesday, that's it. Every other day is filled with counseling. Every other day is filled with working. Every other day is filled with drama. I got it. I got Tuesday. I got nothing. Okay. You think you got nothing? And I'm telling you, your nothing is what I have to work with. Give me nothing. Give me nothing. Give me nothing. What you think is insignificant, give that to me. And sit them all down and watch how I'm about to work. So he takes a Tuesday. He takes insignificant. He takes pain. He takes less than. He takes stuff that people would walk past. And he says, okay, Lord. He looks to heaven. I'm glad we sang that song today. I didn't know that was going to be happening. He looks towards heaven. He says, God, I'm giving you thanks. He thanks God before the miracle even happens. He thanks God before the miracle even happens. 
He thanks God before the miracle even happens. He thanks God before the miracle even happens. I know things are terrible. Have you learned to thank God before the miracle even happens? Have you learned to thank God before you get the house while you're still in the apartment and you do not want to be in the apartment and houses are, are, are costing like ridiculous amounts of money and you're like, I don't have cash to put down on a $350,000 house, so Lord, I'm gonna need you to help me but I, here I am in this apartment again. Thank you, Lord, for this apartment that you gave me. Thank you, so, thank you so much for the couch that I have. Thank you that I have a roof over my head. It's not where I want to be, but God, I thank you that this is where I will not be forever. I look toward heaven. I give you thanks for my home. I give you thanks for the connect group I'm going to have in my house. I give you thanks for the family that I'm going to have in that house. I give you thanks for that ratchet dog I'm going to have in my house. I give you thanks in advance, God, even before I get the house. I want to say thank you before I have it. God, I don't have the healing yet. I want to say thank you for the healing even before I get the healing they're telling me this thing is going to kill me but God I'm saying my life is in your hands thank you for, for the miracle even before I have the miracle Jesus looks to heaven gives thanks and then after he gives the thanks he gives the thanks then he breaks it after he breaks it he starts passing he gives it to them to pass out they start passing it out passing it out passing it out and then something crazy happens they have extra. Wait. Wait. No, 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 no. I saw what I brought. I can't have extra. Not with what I brought. I can't have extra. Not with what I brought to this marriage. I can't have extra. Not what I brought to this relationship. I cannot have extra. Not with what I brought. And God is saying, if you'll give me what you don't think is enough, I'll blow your mind. Can I tell you all this? Uh, this yesterday, was it yesterday? Maybe the day before? Um, Friday. It was Friday. Um, we got to tour a new, a potential new home for our North Campus. Okay, our North Campus that we have. This campus has been set up and tear down from the beginning. We've been praying for four years to find a building. Four years. And then on Friday, we toured a building that I think is perfect. It's there in North Dallas. And I'm like, Lord, you're going to bring this now? Wait, like now. Lord, I've, we're believing. <laughs> Lord, just so you know, <laughs> we're believing that for this other building that we were just at yesterday, I want to give it kudos and shout out to everybody who showed up yesterday for the building clean out. Wow, 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 wow. There's so many people there. Big old party. We clean that thing out. That building is big. It goes on and on and on. It is a, the most wonderful blessing. I'm so excited about it. Then the Lord's like, hey, hey, I got something else for you to believe me for. Lord, I don't have enough. I don't have enough for that. Why would you put me in a spot where I don't have enough? And just so you know, for the rest of your life, God will keep putting you in spots where you do not have enough so that you have to keep relying on him and you do not rely on yourself. For the rest of your life, I don't care if you have $50 million in the bank. God will ask you to do something that costs $60 million. 
Because he wants you to trust him and not trust you. He wants you to trust him and not trust your resource. So I don't care what level, there are levels to this for sure. But for me right now and for this church family, God's going, hey, y'all ready? Y'all ready, ready to believe me for something that you can't do yourself? I'm like, okay, Lord, hey, here are five loaves, here are two fish. I'm not going to sulk. I'm going to bring it to you with joy and go, hey, let me see what you're going to do with this one, Lord. Because I believe you can do exceedingly, abundantly, above all I can ask, think, or even imagine. I'm going to consider the loaves and the fishes from the past. I'm going to consider when we had 117 people meeting in the Angelica movie theater in 2012 and we had the opportunity to buy our first building and 117 people, most of them were college students, i.e. broke. <laughs> Great energy, <laughs> wonderful smiles, no money. <laughs> and God was asking us to purchase our first building. I remember standing in front of the church going, hey, y'all. We get to buy our first building. We're going to come up with $180,000 in eight weeks. <laughs> going, this ain't happening. <laughs> and God did what God always does. And now, online, in an additional seating, and in this room, I'm looking at 12 baskets of extras I did not see that there would be this many extras but God knew what he was doing I want you to see this too this is just real quick okay the pieces that were in the basket were broken they were broken pieces I was getting ready this morning and I was wrestling with that like they're broken pieces. They're broken pieces. Why are they broken pieces? Why did you put that detail in there? Why, why are they broken pieces? Because when I think broken and you think broken, we think bad. But I don't think that's what the text means here. I don't think broken means bad. I think he's saying they're broken, that means they're blessed. Because every piece that he broke, had to go through his hands. Then I was thinking through when Jesus was there on the night he was about to be betrayed and he took bread and he broke it. So I know we always think broken is bad, but I actually think broken means blessed. So I want you to know all of us as broken pieces, it doesn't mean we're less than. It actually means God put his hand on us. And because he put his hand on us, you and I are blessed. Read this later this week. Mark chapter 8. Read it. You're going to see the miracle of the 4,000 in Mark chapter 8. Read it. And you will see that the same situation happens again. It's in a different region, but it's the same type of miracle. And that time Jesus comes to his disciples and he says, hey, there's not enough food here. And the disciples freak out again. Two chapters earlier, they freak out. Two chapters later, same response. I do not want to shame them. 
I want to learn from them. I do not want to be a follower of Jesus that sees him work a miracle in chapter 6 of my life. And by the time I get to chapter 8, I'm being faced with a similar struggle and problem. And I freak out again. Lord, help me remember. When I was lost, you found me. When I had nothing, you provided for me. When I was down, you picked me up. When I had no way of making it, you provided streams in the desert and rivers in the wasteland. God, keep my mind and my heart remembering you. May your death, burial, and resurrection, Jesus, always be so in front of me that no matter what mountain I am facing, I see you as greater. Let that be for all of us as a church family. So online, balcony, on additional seating and the floor, I think we have a God of extra. We do. It's not extra so that we can be puffed up. It's extra so his name and his fame can be brought all throughout the earth. So let us be a church family that does not make it about us but makes it about his name, his fame, his glory, and his kingdom. In Jesus' name, I'm asking that. In Jesus' name. If you wouldn't mind, bow your heads for just a moment. If you're under the sound of my voice, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. You've never made him first. You've never made him number one. You're sitting on a couch, sitting on a lucite chair, or you're sitting in this auditorium right now, or you're driving in your car, and you're saying right now, my heart is not in God's hands. He is not first in my life. I've been making excuses. I've been giving reasons why he sh I shouldn't follow him. But this is your moment, son and daughter. To say, God, I'm, I'm going to stop running. I'm done running. You can have my heart. You can have my life. If that's you, you've never given your heart and your life to Christ. Or at one point in time, you did. You slipped away. And today, you're ready to give your heart to him for the first time or rededicate your life to serving him. On the count of three, I just want you to throw your hand in the air and say, yes, that is me. Ready? One, two, three. Just throw your hand up in the air. You're saying, yep, thank you, friends. I see friends on the balcony. Friends on the floor, you're saying, yep, that's me, that's me, that's me. Forget about who's sitting next to you. This is about you and God right now. This is about your relationship with God. This is about you being forgiven of your sins. This is about you getting on a whole new path. Who else wants to get in on this prayer at home? An additional seating, you're saying, yep, that's me, that's me. I'm going to ask everyone to do me a favor. Put your hand over your heart if you would not mind. And I want all of us to repeat this prayer out loud after me. Say, dear Jesus, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I admit I've made mistakes, and today I give you my heart. I give you my life. Give me the power to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen and amen and amen. We can lift our heads.